when we lie, there are two different neural circuits that are being utilized. One that suppresses and inhibits our telling of the truth to others or to ourselves, as well as the circuit that creates and executes the lie. So in other words, we have to work really hard to hide the truth from ourselves and others while simultaneously creating an untrue story. Welcome back to another episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. I'm your host, Alex Nashton. Today we're going to be diving into why lying evolved from an evolutionary perspective, what is happening in our brains when we lie to ourselves and to others, the psychological value of self-deception, and how to get better at telling when others are lying to you. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to give you what I am aptly entitling Nerd Alerts. So today I wanted to share that at the time of recording this episode, Talk Nerdy to Me is just over three months old and is already being listened to in almost 60 different countries and grows by about a thousand unique listeners every single month. If you are one of those listeners, I wanted to say thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being willing to talk nerdy to me. Thank you for entrusting me to educate you about your brain and your nervous system. If you have been listening and loving this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could click pause for just a moment and leave me a five-star review and a written review on whatever platform you're listening on. In doing so, you'll help get this podcast into the ears and brains of more listeners like you. Now let's dive in and start talking nerdy. So obviously there has been a little bit of a learning curve for me as I've gotten into the swing of recording and pumping these podcast episodes out there into the world. I'm feeling very comfortable with it at this point, though. So I've got my glass of water nearby. I have a bowl of vegan mac and cheese to my left side. And one of my intentions moving forward is to bring a little more personal vulnerability into these podcast episodes, because some of the feedback that I've been getting from listeners who have been DMing me on Instagram at Alex underscore Nashton have been sharing just how much you've appreciated hearing more about my life and the real world applications of neuroscience that I've used to facilitate change in my own experience. So what we're diving into today the neuroscience of lying and telling the truth is something that I've actually learned very little about until I was preparing for this exact episode. The reason why I wanted to record this episode is because I was recently having a conversation with someone about something that is very deeply personal to me, which is that about six or seven years ago, I was studying with a spiritual mentor and the very first assignment that she gave me was to commit myself to a vow of honesty. In the world of yogic philosophy, there are these codes of conduct, for lack of a better word. They're called the yamas and the niyamas, and you can think of them as systems for deprogramming and reprogramming the mind, one of which is this concept of satya, or truthfulness. And when I first started learning from this teacher in a more intensive one-on-one -on -one capacity, one of the things that was a requisite for me to commit to was a vow of honesty. Because in her words, if there was any sort of deception between myself and her, or myself and myself 
while in the process of learning from her, it would detract from the integrity of the work that we would be doing together and there would effectively be no point. So the assignment was that if I found myself lying in a conversation with someone else, I would have to immediately pause and say, actually, that's not true. What I meant to say was X, Y, and Z. If there were any old lies that I was still upholding, like old stories that I had fabricated that I was maintaining, I would have to own up and eventually come clean on them. And if there was any way that I was hiding from or avoiding the truth in myself to myself, I would have to own up and start being really honest there as well. Now, I should preface this by saying that I was not a compulsive liar when I was given this assignment. I had this idea in my head that I didn't really lie at all. And the reason for that is because lying is such a fundamentally unconscious thing. Most of us are doing it all the time, if not every single day, and are completely unaware of it. In some research that was done by the University of Virginia, it was found that one in every five people lie in any conversation that's longer than 10 minutes. And I'll repeat that one more time because it's pretty significant. One in every five people lie in any conversation that's longer than 10 minutes. When I committed myself to this vow of honesty, what I learned was that I was actually lying all the time, and I had no idea. The things that I was lying about weren't big things. They weren't malicious. They weren't to hurt other people. There were a lot of ways that I was lying in an intentional effort not to hurt other people. And when I dug a little bit deeper beneath that, what I found was that there is some codependency in that, that I didn't trust other people to regulate their own emotions well enough that I took on the responsibility of trying to mitigate it for them by withholding the truth or by avoiding the truth. What I also found was that more than anything else, the lies that I was telling were built up around the areas of myself that I felt insecure in. And that when I took away the ability to lie about those things, I had to learn how to either accept the parts of myself that weren't changing or have to get in there and do the dirty work of actually changing the things that I wasn't proud of. And I'll give you an example. So as many of you know, if you've listened to episode number one of this podcast on neuroplasticity and how to rewire your brain, I got started into my neuroscientific and spiritual journey at a very young age when I was just 17 living in New York City, which is actually where I'm recording this episode from right now. By the time that I was 18 years old, I had already begun my journey as a teacher of yoga and meditation and mindfulness. And as I'm sure you can imagine, 18 is a very young age to be teaching these kinds of practices. And when my students would notice how youthful I appeared to be, they would ask me how old I was and I would lie about it because I was worried that they wouldn't take me seriously if they found out that I was 18. I was worried that they wouldn't respect me or value me as a teacher if they knew how young I was. The last solo episode that I released for this podcast was all about rewiring yourself for a greater level of confidence. And what I can say is that committing myself to a life of honesty 
is one of the things that helped me grow my level of self-confidence more than anything else. When there's any leeway for secrecy or hiding or withholding information that we're not particularly proud of, we will oftentimes take that route. Removing that option from my psyche is one of the things that enabled me to become confident in who I am and what I'm bringing to the table, including all of the extremely fallible, flawed, imperfect pieces of myself that I previously was not proud of. So in my own personal experience, it was abundantly clear that telling the truth would, in the long term, serve me significantly more than lying ever would. But previously, before I had upheld this commitment, before I had taken this vow, it seemed to me that I was lying because it was more comfortable in the short term which is actually what a lot of the research that I dug up for this episode happened to say. So let's dive into the neuroscience behind what is happening in your brain when you are telling a lie and why we lie as a species in the first place. So from an evolutionary perspective, most of our lies stem from some form of self-embellishment. In other words, we make ourselves appear to be better, faster, smarter, stronger than we actually are. The two arenas where this typically happens are as it pertains to work, financial success, career success, and love when we're trying to impress someone that we're wooing or that we're in the courtship and mating rituals with. The reason why lying evolved in these two arenas is that embellishing in this way would make it more likely that we would get what we needed to get in order to ensure either our personal survival in the form of resources or the survival of our species in terms of partnership. So just a little reminder that any human characteristic evolved out of some form of usefulness at some point in time over the course of our species existing. We don't just have these negative character traits and flaws and attributes purely out of coincidence. Interestingly enough, lying to ourselves, self-deception, stemmed from a very different reason. And what most psychologists allude to today is that we lie to ourselves in an effort to protect ourselves, in an effort to protect our ego. Because when we see things in ourselves that we don't like, it can be extremely painful. And so even though lying to others and lying to ourselves has a quote-unquote benefit to it, from an evolutionary perspective, it's still extremely taxing on our brains and our nervous systems. And that's primarily because when we lie... There are two different neural circuits that are being utilized. One that suppresses and inhibits our telling of the truth to others or to ourselves, as well as the circuit that creates and executes the lie. So in other words, we have to work really hard to hide the truth from ourselves and others while simultaneously creating an untrue story. 
And there are a few different parts of our brains that are utilized for this. The first is the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is the newest part of our brains. When we look at the evolution of human beings, it's the part of our brains that is responsible for executive function, for logic, rationalization, reason, impulse control. And it also plays a huge role in helping us understand and evaluate what is the truth. And it does that through taking in all of the different sensory input that we're receiving at any given moment in time. So the things that we're seeing, smelling, hearing, tasting, as well as the stories that we are subsequently constructing from those things and assessing what is true and what is not true. As I mentioned previously, this part of the brain is responsible for impulse control. It's also responsible for inhibition of certain behaviors. So things that we would not deem as being socially acceptable, this is the part of your brain that is in control of that kind of inhibition. So say, for example, you were in the middle of Trader Joe's and you're feeling really overheated and you suddenly got the impulse to take your pants off and run around Trader Joe's pantsless. This is going to be the part of your brain that inhibits that impulse because it's clearly not a good idea to strip down in the middle of TJ's. This is also the part of your brain that's going to have to work in order to suppress and inhibit you from telling the truth. The next part of your brain that's utilized when you lie is the limbic system. So the system of your brain, the circuit of your brain that's responsible for your emotional responses. And its purpose in the function of lying is to kind of turn on and turn up your body's stress response. Lying should be really stressful because if someone were to find out that you were lying, there would subsequently be negative repercussions. So the potentiality for someone finding out that you've lied is amplified by your body experiencing this stress response when there's something that you were intentionally withholding or lying about. The third part of your brain that's utilized when you lie is your hippocampus, so your brain's memory center. And that one I think is pretty obvious. It's because when you tell a lie, you then have to really intentionally remember the lies that you've told so that you can ensure that you've got your story straight moving forward. And the final part of your brain that's utilized when you lie is the anterior cingulate cortex. Again, if you think back to the last solo episode that I did over here on rewiring yourself for greater confidence, we talked about the anterior cingulate cortex in the context of body dysmorphia and how when individuals with body dysmorphia are looking in the mirror, this part of the brain lights up and alerts them to something being wrong with what they are seeing in the mirror. But your anterior cingulate cortex is responsible for alerting you to when things are wrong in any context, in any situation. If you walk into your home and you notice that a few objects of furniture are kind of pushed out of place and that something is knocked over and it looks like there's been an intruder, the anterior cingulate cortex is going to light up to alert you that something is wrong there. When you see a spelling error, the anterior cingulate cortex lights up to alert you to the fact that there is something wrong with the way that that word is spelled. And in the context of not telling the truth, there is usually something wrong about that that our brains are trying to alert us to as well. 
not wrong in terms of morally wrong, although we could argue that that is a different component to it as well, but wrong in terms of telling something that is misaligned with what is actually true, factually true. Where this gets really tricky is that the more you lie, the easier it becomes for your brain to continue lying and upholding those lies which is one of the reasons why when I first committed to my vow of honesty, I had no idea just how much I was lying in the first place because my brain had gotten so used to it. When we lie over and over and over again, the limbic system, that part that I mentioned just a few moments ago that's responsible for emotional processing and increasing your body's level of stress, becomes desensitized. Specifically, the part of your brain that becomes desensitized is your amygdala, so your body's fear response, which means that the more you lie, the less emotional reaction you have about the fact that you are lying. So the less anxiety that you experience for lying and the less guilt you experience for lying, which is one of the reasons why it can become a very, very slippery slope and people can somehow evolve into compulsive liars. So one of the reasons why I think this information is so incredibly important, even if you are somebody who thinks that they don't lie when you first started listening to this episode, the odds are that you probably do. You've just become desensitized to it over time. Again, if you think back to that very first episode on neuroplasticity and how to rewire your brain, our brains more than anything else want to be rewiring themselves for maximum efficiency. And lying requires a lot of neural circuitry. It requires a lot of effort and a lot of energy, especially when your emotional centers are involved. So if your brain can decrease just how much your emotional centers are firing, It'll make the job of lying just a little bit easier to you. And remember that your brain is not ascribing weight or value to what is right or what is wrong in terms of content. It's rewiring itself based on what is useful or not useful. And what deems something as useful is how much or how little you are doing it. On that note, it's also worth noting that our memory is not a fixed or permanent entity. That memory is malleable and it changes. In fact, every single time we remember something that's happened in the past, we are changing the nature of that memory and either adding new emotional content to it or stripping old emotional content away from it. And not only are we manipulating the emotional nature of that memory, but we also have the ability to manipulate the context of it. Because human brains are wildly imaginative, every time we recall a memory, say for example, that old fishing example, where the fish was six inches, and then it was one foot, and then it was two feet, and then it was five feet, and then all of a sudden it was this big, it was as big as the room. If you tell yourself stories enough times, or if you're telling a story to somebody else enough times that is not aligned with the truth, eventually your memory will change to actually believe it. So let me reiterate that one more time in case it didn't hit home. 
Your memory is not a fixed, permanent thing. And when you lie to yourself or you lie to others, either consciously or unconsciously, your brain will start to adapt to believe those lies as the truth. Your brain will start to adapt those lies until they feel congruent with truth. A few years ago, I was listening to a conversation with a teacher that I had named Ali Bogard. And somebody asked her, when is it okay to tell a lie? And her answer was, never. It's never okay to tell a lie. And I think that the research here, the science here, really seems to support that. When we lie to others and we lie to ourselves, we warp our memories and warp our brains in such a way that we will subsequently go on to believe those lies as the truth. Now, that being said, let's flip perspectives a little bit and start to approach this from the person who is receiving said lies. So if you are a human being, odds are you have these phenomenal types of neurons called mirror neurons within the social centers of your brain. The function of mirror neurons is to observe and take in motor movements from the people that you are in proximity to and then send the signal from the observational centers of your brain to the motor cortex of your brain, so the part of your brain that initiates and evokes and executes movement to move. So say, for example, you're sitting across the dinner table from somebody and unconsciously this person crosses their arms. Within a few minutes before you know it, you're crossing your arms as well. You find yourself in the exact same physical position as the one that they are in. That phenomenon is a function of your mirror neurons. Your mirror neurons also have other functions too. And one of those functions is to detect facial micro-expressions. So the tiniest little movements in the eyes, in the forehead, in the eyebrows, in the cheeks, in all of the little muscles surrounding the lips. And when you're speaking to another person, unconsciously and most likely imperceptibly, you are going to be creating the same facial micro-expressions as well. So in a way, it's kind of like your body is trying on for size the facial expressions of the other person. While that's happening, your brain is usually taking in the auditory information of what that person is saying, both in terms of content, so what they are saying, as well as the vocal intonations and inflections, and mapping out how much the truth of what is coming through in their voice is matched with their facial micro-expressions. So when that's happening, when your ears are taking in auditory information and your mirror neurons are processing the facial micro-expressions of the other person, one of the things that it is searching for is congruency. So as you're trying on their facial expression as your own, 
does that expression evoke a similar emotion as what their voice is conveying? In some regards, this is empathy. It's our ability to feel what another person is feeling. But this is also what gives us the opportunity to find discrepancies between what someone's voice is saying and what someone's face is saying, and the ability to tell the difference between the two. And this is what alerts us to when someone may be lying to us. So for those of you who are listening who have thought to yourselves, I have a really strong gut, I have a really strong intuition. I hate to break it to you, but it's not just this woo-woo energetic thing. It is actually a function of your brain and your nervous system. We all kind of have this human lie detector built in. And when we start to look at some differences between the male brain and the female brain, this is actually a function that female brains are significantly better at. And that's primarily because female brains have evolved to be more attuned to nuances in vocal tone and in facial microexpression because that was something that female brains needed in order to discern what nonverbal human beings that they were caring for, in other words, babies, needed before the age where they were able to communicate what their needs were. So even though we all have these inherent lie detectors built into our brains and our nervous systems, there are a few ways that we can get better and better at determining when someone else is lying to us. And the first is, just to remind you again, that when someone is lying, usually their emotional centers are firing and their level of stress will increase. When our level of stress increases, usually our tone of voice does as well. Our vocal intonation takes on a higher pitch. A lot of the other mannerisms that are associated with anxiety will also be very present. So when someone is fidgeting or appears to be nervous, when they can't sit still, when they can't make eye contact at what we would deem as being crucial moments of a conversation, as well as body language that is incongruent with the story that's being told. So one of the things that's very typical of liars is that their hand gestures will typically be executed a little too late in the game. So they'll use their hands to illustrate a story after they finish what they're saying rather than while the story is taking place. And this is the one that I found to be the most fascinating when doing my research for this episode of the podcast is that body language that is reflective of hiding or withholding information is typically a sign of lying as well. So if someone pulls their lips back or kind of bites their lips back when they're telling a story or when someone is asking them questions, that's typically a sign of withholding information. Or if someone faces their palms towards their body rather than away, that's typically a sign of withholding information as well. And from a very non-scientific perspective, but from the personal lived experience of your host over here at Talk Nerdy to Me, one of the things that I can personally attest is that the more I have lived in alignment with the truth and only telling the truth, 
the better I've become at discerning when others are lying to me. It almost feels like the more my nervous system is attuned to the frequency of telling the truth, the more stressful and unsettling it feels to be in the presence of somebody who is lying to me or to be receiving information that I know is not true. It's almost like in upholding this commitment to only telling the truth, I've resensitized my system. I've resensitized my amygdala. I've resensitized my emotional centers that I pick up on nuances and stories that people are telling in their facial expressions and their vocal tones that previously I would have missed. So if you want to become a better human lie detector, the best way to do that, in my opinion, is to stop lying yourself. And at this point in the episode, I want to assign the homework, because I know that some of you are super into it, to take on this vow of honesty yourself, to commit to a life that is completely free of lying. So what that means is you no longer lie to others. That doesn't mean that you'll do it perfectly, especially not at first. But when you notice yourself lying and you become aware of it, that you immediately stop or go back and tell the truth. If there are any old lies that you are upholding, you go back and clean them up and tell the truth on those as well. And if there is any way you feel as though you are in a state of self-deception, where there's something you're hiding from yourself, something you're avoiding, something you're not willing to look at, that you start to get really vulnerable and honest and courageous with yourself and lean into it and do some work. If this is something that you're wanting to commit to, I want to host a little scientific experiment over here very informal scientific experiment and ask that you send me a DM over on Instagram at Alex underscore Nashton and tell me if this episode was helpful for you and if this is a commitment that you are also wanting to uphold. One of the reasons why I started this podcast is because I personally love learning new things, especially in the realm of neuroscience. But what I'm even more interested in is using scientific information to enact practical, pragmatic, actual change in my everyday life. And my hope is that in doing so, I can offer a space and an invitation to all of you to do the same. So if you're going to stop lying, send me a DM at Alex underscore Nashton. If you are realizing that lying is more of an issue than what you previously thought, You can head down into the show notes and fill out an application for a one-on-one coaching conversation with me. Filling out the application is not a guarantee for a conversation, so the more information you can give, the better. I'm not always taking on new coaching clients, but when I am, filling out the application is the requisite and will put you on the wait list. I wish you the best of luck in your truth-telling. Thank you so much for letting me talk nerdy to you. If you loved this episode, help us get it into the ears and brains of more listeners like you by sharing it on social media. When you share on Instagram, make sure you tag me at Alex underscore Nashton. 
Instagram is also the best place to send me your questions about the episode material and make requests for future topics and guests. New episodes of Talk Nerdy to Me drop every single Wednesday. When you hit subscribe, you'll be notified of new releases so you never have to miss one. Last but not least, this podcast baby would not be possible without Adam Russell. Adam, I am so grateful to have had your support in creating this podcast. Thank you for always being willing to talk nerdy to me.